Hello, welcome to Sonic Serial. I'm Jesse. And I'm Mark. In this podcast, we take a deep dive into albums from some of our favorite artists, track by track. Yes, and today we'll be continuing with Bjork and her 1993 album debut, which was recorded in London. Today we're talking about tracks three and four, which are Venus as a Boy and There's More to Life Than This. All right, um, we are going to kick it off with track three, Venus is a Boy. Uh, let's start with a bit of background. So um, this is actually one of the last songs that were written for the album. And uh, Bjork said that she wrote it in her living room in Iceland, and she was singing it into her dictaphone. Something that you do with your music. Yeah, but I don't own a dictaphone. I don't know what that is. It's like the little mini tape recorder that you use. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. And then uh, she was going through sounds on her keyboard and found a broken bottle sound. Yeah. Um, yeah, she says later by accident. Um, yeah, she was. She found that sound, and it wasn't intentional, but she kind of just put them together in her head, which is part of her genius. Yeah. Because doesn't she have, like, a ginormous like sound library she should no she does she talks about oh she just won't share it with us no no like she during her most recent podcast she talked about how she develops these big oh yeah like she has banks yeah sound banks like these huge yeah she like libraries of sound still waiting for her to share it I doubt she would share it because it's just like, like I really wish she would do things like how producers have been bringing out like that splice thing uh, where they yeah. like yeah yeah that would be cool um, but yeah her ability to like have these sounds that she <clears throat> sort of catalogs and then she refers back to them at some point and she's yeah. like oh yeah that sound I should bring it here yeah I think that's a big part of um, like her art yeah it's what draws me to her. <laughs> Speaking of um, being drawn to her, um, what does Bjork give um, guys who think she's cute? <laughs> Drawings? <laughs> A bajoner. <laughs> I just made that up. Oh, that's good. Okay. A bjoner. Um, A bjoner. Um, all right, uh, so, uh, let's start, let's talk about, who's Venus? I think we're talking about the god, the goddess Venus here. Um, um, goddess of love. Goddess of love, yeah. Uh, and, uh, so the goddess of love has been known as a... As a female, mm-hmm. so what's this? What's the deal with it being goddess uh, of love as a boy? Well, my it sounds very ahead of its time. Yeah, considering <laughs> this was the early nineties. I mean, this is just an interpretation. I don't think she's really spoken on it, um, revealed much about it. But um, I think it's just about ta- celebrating like the sensuality of a like her love interest and the sensitivity and someone that sees the beauty in things and um so basically you're you're 
atypical male. Yeah, or she all... may be talking about like maybe she's into androgynous guys, like David Bowie-ish types. Hmm. I'm gonna say that it's that that most men do have innately. Um, <clears throat> Because Venus is known as being like the atyp- uh, the archetypical woman who's sensual and sexy and yeah. you know beautiful and all of these things and and that men have that in them but they rarely express it. I mean, you might know more about this than I do, but like when talking about gods and mythology, I don't think there's really a male figure that represents like love and beauty. And I think it's more like the well. When there have been, they've been represented negatively, like they were vain and the oh, you know. like Narcissus. Yeah, like Narcissus. Yeah, yes. Narcissus. So, I think that that positioning a man like that, which is very healthy. Yeah, and I think most wars and problems in the world are caused by the toxic masculinity. Right. Yeah. I think all traits should be embraced male and female to make, us, to make us whole <laughs> okay and, and um, divide in society okay so um before we get into the song let's talk about the video because she doesn't make videos for all of her songs and mm-hmm. i feel like especially in the 90s this is like the era of mtv um videos were basically the Right. Yeah, she came on at a very good time for, like, representing herself visually. Yeah. So. So, let's talk about the video. Uh, yeah, well, um, so, just to describe the video, she, it's, she's in her kitchen, it's daylight, and she's, um, frying up some eggs, but she keeps fucking it up, because she's distracted by it's like she's kind of daydreaming but she's daydreaming about an uncracked egg <laughs> i guess and like she's like, caressing herself with an egg yeah, while she's breaking them and making eggs in between like cooking the egg she's like yeah taking a, a, the egg with the shell and like just okay so there's a backstory to this this is she's talked about um loving this book yeah so the 20s 1920s the concept is based on a book from oh i didn't it's from the like 20s yeah by the um by a french author by the name of georges bataille um bataille and the yeah it's a novel novella called story of the eye and um, one of the characters in the book has a fetish for eggs, and she, at one point, puts a soft-boiled egg inside of her. <laughs> which, which hole? <laughs> the, the the one in front? In her badge, basically. Okay, in the badge. <laughs> um, <clears throat> which is very interesting when you watch the video, because yeah, I, I don't know if she intended it to be more... Um, racy than it was yeah i think maybe she tried to push that boundary i mean this was only her second video for her solo uh, yeah, career yeah. and and i don't know if she tried to like i have a feeling get that the director, the director reeled her back in yeah and she was like this is for mtv man like, <laughs> calm down i think she would have been in one of those like stirrups you know like when yeah, when she, women are getting like, she's like you're not madonna you know <laughs> 
just take a seat. And so she was like, how about some fried eggs instead? <laughs> Which, I don't know, the video is still good despite like all that miscommunication or whatever. I, yeah, I do feel like she probably came with the concept of like a woman, because um, eggs are life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And something like about, like... Fertility. And you have eggs in you. Yeah. Women have eggs in them. Yeah. Um, and it's what creates life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe um, when we have her on one day, we'll ask her about this and she'll... Yeah, clear it up for us. She'll clear it up for us. That would be really awesome. Mm. Um, um, she... I think one of her recent songs off of her latest album is about Ophiola. So oh, that's yeah. That's kind of eggy. But anyway, uh, it's directed by Sophie Muller, who's done videos for Shakespeare's sisters, or Shakespeare's sister, Annie Lennox. Lennox? Lennox. <coughs> and Eurythmics. And Eurythmics. Uh, so, fun facts. Kylie Minogue, Selena Gomez. <laughs> so Selena many, Gomez? Yeah, so many acts, like No Doubt, Gwen oh. Stefani. She's done a lot of. She's worked with a lot of artists. So this is relevant to the era. So um, uh, the Eurythmics, wait. So the Eurythmics were two people, Zanny Lennox and, oh my God, I'm going to kill myself for not knowing. Um, I'm drawing a blank on who his name is. Um, and he's amazing and super artistic. I'm going to yeah. look it up. But um, yeah, Sophie. Wait, I have, I have more to say. <laughs> Okay, so Dave Stewart. God, I can't remember that. Okay, so Dave Stewart was in the Eurythmics. Yeah. And <clears throat> Bananarama, mm-hmm. um, which was also popular at the time, kind of. Um, one of the three Bananaramas was um, Siobhan Fahey. And she ended up marrying Dave Stewart. And she also was the person who started Shakespeare's sister. Oh, so yeah, it's all connected. This is from a child of the, the 90s, music scene, eighties. Who, who was into all this? Okay, but let's yeah. Go on. Um. So yeah, Sophie Muller. Um. She's yeah worked. She's been working on videos since the eighties. Do all her videos have Recent. a dreamy, kind of sparkly, yeah. glowy? So we she, just watched Venus as a boy. And yeah, it was very. It was like, like super filtered, like boudoir, like soft focus. <laughs> boudoir, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Um, like glamour shots. Yeah, yeah, and it has that like it adds this like dreamy quality to it, and I feel like a lot of her videos that I've seen have that kind <clears throat> of filter to it. And what's with so she pets a lizard. In the video. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> random. Like, at one point, she just, like, picks up this lizard out of nowhere and just puts him on her shoulder. And she pets it like it's a, like it's a fur. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cute. It is cute. I used to have a lizard. Really? Mm-hmm. What was his name? Mr. Lizard Lizard. <laughs> um, Mr. Lizard Lizard. Mr. That's lizard. I, it's funny because she was petting him like he was so soft. Yeah. But it was just very, like, yeah. chill. Chill. All right. Um, so, uh, so she gave the director a copy of the book. Yeah, and the, of, yes, yeah, we said the director was just like, 
How about a Friday? <laughs> Bjork. Was... I would so love to hear her vision of what she had in mind for this video. Yeah. What it turned oh, out. I, yeah, I'm curious, like, what she actually told the director. Yeah. And, um, of course, Bjork was dissatisfied with the Friday egg. Wait, wait, I see in your notes here, she, the director never read it? Oh, yeah, that's, that's probably what the problem was. So she was like, so, okay, here's my imaginary scenario. She was probably just like, I'm going to give you this book. When you get to the part about the egg, that's You're going to interpret it. That's what the... I want this video. Yeah, and she's like, okay. Egg. Okay, great. We're doing a fried egg. I like fried eggs. So, yeah. She never read the book. And and I could see if it's only your second video in your debut album, you're probably a little less assertive. Yeah, yeah. About your vision. Yeah, so, yeah. You probably so, have like, this naive sense of how yeah. you work with video directors. Yes. So, ipso facto, she was dissatisfied, dissatisfied with the fried yeah. egg imagery. And so, they never collaborated again. <laughs> Understandably so. Um, but it's still, I like the video. Yeah, I think it's, I hate this, I hate to use this word quirky, but I think that era people considered her kind of yeah, quirky. Yeah, and it's like different. You don't see like someone, it, it kind of reminds me of the film Amelie. Oh yeah. And how yeah. like she's going to, the character. Cooking is very sensual. Yeah. And I just don't think it was, I think that. I think that despite the director, it, it still came across. Yeah, and uh, I think it's like kind of fascinating to see her doing something so mundane as like cooking a fried mm -hmm. egg and like making it seem dreamy at the yeah. same time. So. so in the last video, we talked about the tiger painting. In the last video, in the last podcast, we talked about the tiger painting. Yeah, so this makes an appearance in the video, actually. Um, it's like kind of in the center in the background and you can see the tiger like biting the head off of someone and it's, it's her it's one of her favorite artists yeah so yeah apparently she um used a lot of objects from her home and included the them in this video so i wonder if, if that was I her if own was her kitchen i wonder if that was her own pet lizard too oh. yeah i could see that yeah i had a pet snake she has a lot of animals in her videos true yeah. Okay, now let's get to the... This is not a video review, it's a song review. So <laughs> let's get to the... It's everything but else. it's such a good... It's. I think it's worthy of time because the 90s were so video-centric. Mm -hmm. That And she's so visual that I yeah. feel like it's worth exploring. Yeah. Um, but let's get to the production okay. of the song. Nellie Hooper, who we've talked about before, mm -hmm. um, introduced Bjork to... Um, her keyboard player and programmer, who was Marius de Vry. Mm -hmm. I guess he was one of the people who really gave debut this kind of modern style. Yeah. Or he definitely influenced the style um, through keyboards and th synthesizers. But he's um, quoted, when he was asked about the track years later um, in Uncut Magazine, he said... I remember the day Venus as a boy found its tone. It was a primitive stage of composition, and Bjork and I met at Nelly's house after an extravagant night out. I wasn't quite on my game, and I queued up a bunch of sound files from another project which has a strong Bollywood flavor. I wonder what the project was. Yeah. 
The computer was triggering tablas and squeaky sitar samples. As I, as I was apologizing to Bjork, she said, Hang on a minute. Don't do anything. At the end, she turned and said, Oh, Marius, this is great. It was like an act of God. I mean, that's a great example of serendipity in music. Yeah. Making, I mean, and, and having a really good ear. Yeah. I mean, to be able to. Okay, so I, I'm not a musician, but I do feel like I have a really good sense of what songs can be mashed up together. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, that's just a perfect example of like what makes her brilliant. And like when sometimes the best results come out of like accidents. Yes. Yeah, you can plan all you want. And just like that's why I think that the whole. I mean, you do this as a musician. You have a sound library mm-hmm. of songs and sounds and yeah. things that you like. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so that's a good segue into the fact that it, it draws a lot of inspiration from Bollywood soundtracks. Yeah, um, I feel like at this time, uh, after Bjork moved to London, she had a fascination with Indian culture. and Which is, which is, which is was and is huge in, in the UK. Yeah. Um, because of colonialism. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it features a lot of Indian instruments such as the tabla, sitar, and the strings were actually recorded in Bombay by Talvin Singh. Hmm. And uh, one of the prominent sounds in the song comes from a sample of a piece called Music for Show and Heart by Japanese composer Mayumi Miyata. Um, Is show an instrument? Yeah, it's like a reed. Like it looks like, kind of looks like pan pipes, I think. And uh, coincidentally, uh, they would actually collaborate in 2005 for um, a soundtrack she recorded called Drawing Restraint 9. Wait, was uh, that a film? Yeah, it was a film she did with her husband at the, or her hmm. boyfriend at the time. Hmm. Have you seen it? Yeah, I watched it. It's very artsy and slow. <laughs> okay. <coughs> um, um, so it has a very strong bass line. Yeah, bass and line. that bass line was actually written by Bjork herself. The fusion of world music elements and electronica is reminiscent of. Well, personally speaking, for yeah. me, um, it that's rem- why we're here. We're all here because <laughs> we care about your opinion. It reminds me of uh, what they call ethnotronica or world world beat, like artists such as uh, Enigma and Deep Forest that were pretty popular at the same time this album was coming out. Mm-hmm. So. That's all I can think of, like, how they blend world music with electronic music. I'm sure there's other acts that do that, but that's all. Well, politically, politically, the 90s were a time when um, uh, boundaries... Oh, yeah. Like, boundaries were kind of coming down. Embracing cultures from all over was pretty big. Yeah. Um... 
Yeah, so that's the production side of things. All right, um, let's talk about how this fits into the rest of the album. Because because um, m- most of our albums are very, um, she's very deliberate about the order of the songs and yeah. know, sort of the song as a it's it's not just a collection of songs. It's a, it's like bigger than that. It's a story. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking lyrically, it does sound like something like you're reading from a young girl's diary. Like, she's celebrating a boy, or mm-hmm. she's celebrating, like, her sexuality yeah. and stuff. And so, um, but from a production standpoint, I think it's just, uh, it fits into how she's just... Experimenting, experimenting with, with like sounds, exotic yeah. instruments and jazz compositions, because there's a little bit of that mm-hmm. in this song where she's just like scatting or like changing up the key and stuff. So, and what about live performances? Um, yeah, I think I feel like she's performed this song for almost every tour, and she's even changed up the arrangements to fit like solo versions with just a harpsichord and uh, recently on one of her last tours she did a solo flute version which I saw live and that was pretty cool where did you see that? I saw it in New York yes. What about other kind of, like, I feel like her stuff is always, you like, people always want to use it for films and for mm-hmm. sort of other creative endeavors. Yeah. Um, so this film was actually used... The song. <laughs> this song was actually used in uh, Luc Besson's 90... Is it 1993? I'm not sure. I think I might have got that wrong. But um, his film, Leon the Professional, with Jean Reno and Natalie Portman. And it's... I don't know. 94. You're close. 94. Um, it's kind of... Fitting, but not because... Have you seen the film? Yeah, it's, it's about like how this little girl bonds with this hitman. I guess. I, I can mean, see it, I think. No, I guess, yeah, because I guess um, it's about how the, like, this, he's a very... Charismatic. Or, like, at first he's, like, this very stern hitman type, and when this little girl comes into his life, it kind of breaks down his, like, uh, mm. barriers or whatever, his shell, and he becomes... He warms up to her. So I guess, yeah, it can be, like, about yeah. the beauty in him and how he That's true. That's, more it's, it's sort of bringing down his facade of, of yeah. like, that manly, yeah, I gotta be rough and tough facade. Like being an assassin or whatever. So, yeah, I guess it is fitting. <laughs> being good, an assassin. Good choice. Good choice. Um, also, another film... Did you like that movie? I do, I do. I like Luc Besson. He did Me too. Fifth Element. Yeah. He's a good director. Um... 
Another film trivia, um, director Baz Luhrmann, when he was writing his script for Romeo and Juliet, he um, cited this song as an inspiration, and uh, that's why he chose Nellie Hooper to do the soundtrack and the score for the film. So, yeah. Um, (laughs) What about personal inspiration? How did this song... Did it impact when you... Uh, yeah, all I can think of is the music video and how it <laughs> makes me want to make fried eggs. I like eggs. You like... <laughs> and you like them fried, particularly. Yeah. So um, it's really easy. You know, you never go hungry. As long as you know how to make eggs. That's true. And, um, uh, and there's so many things you could do with eggs. So many so many <laughs> to mix it up um and yeah it is actually my favorite song off the album hmm. so i don't know it's just very dreamy and the bollywood strings really no. speak to me <laughs> how about uh, you um yeah i i mean i was a little older than you when this came out and so um I yeah yeah nothing stands out in particular no it does <clears throat> um <clears throat> too personal <laughs> <laughs> no I was at a time in my life where I was dating and um I was kind of dating boys yeah and sort of was trying to figure them out yeah so I think this this was I, I thought about this song sometimes when I was trying to figure them out and th- how complex boys how complex boys are with wicked <clears throat> sense of humor no just how they can put up a, a kind of a facade that's, oh yeah it's very not who they are toxic masculinity <clears throat> there we go okay well and how that was <clears throat> and still is kind of perceived as like attractive. Yeah, you know, it's like if you're, if you're, I don't know, straight, I guess. Yeah, you're, straight means you're like kind of not sensitive and not all of these things. Yeah, I mean, it's still interestingly like relevant song today. It is. Because I think it is. You have this, like in gay culture, like femme boys or mask boys, and. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> No, no, I totally get it. And then, yeah, and it's like, I mean, it's all about fitting in, right? Yeah. So I think this is a, okay, so this song is an homage to not fitting in. Yeah, and and it's a celebration of, like, I think... Well, and I think it's particularly interesting because it's basically, like, not being um, super hyper-toxic masculine. Yeah, and I think... It's actually what women want. Yeah, I think women love it when a guy can be honest and, like... Everybody loves it. Yeah. (laughs) And like not, yeah, put up this front that society expects from you and like just like. That's deep. Yeah. Um, All right. I mean, I think that's why like people like Prince and David Bowie were so sexy to a lot of women. That's true. Androgyny. So. Um, What about covers? I feel like this song's been covered a lot. Yeah, so... And it has a lot of remixes. Yeah, I think um, 
from what I've read, it has been covered over 30 times, which is a lot. Um, it's been covered by many artists, including Sneaker Pimps and Corrine Belly, Bailey Ray. Sex is fingers They focus on her Her touches His veil is as a ball There's also a remix by Simply Red's Mick Hucknall. Um, yeah, I think that, that wraps up Venus is a Boy. Um, all right, so we are doing two tracks during this podcast. Um, and the second one, sometimes we'll lump together two songs when... Because um, there's always songs on an album that, we could by the artist's choice, yeah. were not released as a single or not promoted. Yeah. Um, or the artist just decided that after listening to the whole album that... You know, there were other thongs, songs that they, <laughs> yeah, other thongs, yeah, that they preferred um, to to talk about. Right. So, I mean, as a okay, so as a musician, mm-hmm. you've put albums out mm-hmm. um, under Sine Wave mm-hmm. um, with two V's instead of a W. Um, how do you decide which ones to release as a single? <clears throat> well, how do you decide which ones you favor and say, you know, I think this song really represents the album well? Uh, yeah, it's usually... <clears throat> I mean, it's hard for me to say because I'm an independent artist and... It's not different. Um, I guess... Other than you, you don't have a lot of people pressuring it, you. It's weird because sometimes I'll be making an album or when I like right when I release it I feel like one song is like catchier out of all of them and mm-hmm. then um once I you know a lot of some people hear it and they're like and there seems to be this like general consensus over one song mm. they'll favor more yeah. and I'll be like oh really that song you like that song yeah. and which I'm sure when <clears> you're when you actually have a recording contract, yeah, and there's a label, they yeah. probably, you probably have a lot more input as to right, like, right, right, and uh, yeah, it's sometimes it matches up with what I'm thinking. Sometimes it just like it's totally random. It's not what I expect, and some songs are just having to be catchier than others. And so this is track four. There's more to life than this, mm-hmm. um, and we are going sequentially through the album. Um, and so this was not released as a single? No. And there's no video associated no. with it. But nonetheless, um, it's worth reviewing. Yeah. There's some um, interesting stuff about it. I think it's actually a really interesting song because... Um, <clears throat> well, tell us. It's... Uh, I feel like it's written about, you know, a party... When, a party night she had in Iceland. And uh, which they're probably a few. Yeah, I had a, I had a few party because nights. Did I you feel have like party nights in Iceland? No. Oh. <laughs> well, I have to go back. You have to go back. We'll have to go back. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So there's. Yeah, because I feel like with. But it was actually sung, especially at the milk bar in Iceland, and in uh, London. Yeah. So she, 
her she recorded her vocals at um a club called the Milk Bar, which isn't around anymore, but I got to go and you did. Yeah, what's it like? Is it anything <clears throat> interesting, or is it just like a normal club? Um, it was a very interesting mix of like new wave punk and like Spice Girl mm-hmm. kind of energy. I don't know. <clears throat> I I've really enjoyed it because it was. I mean, this is such a like overused word, but it was so diverse, mm-hmm. and everyone was getting along, getting along with everyone, and the music um, ranged from. What, yeah. do, what year do you remember? What year? Or what? Gosh, I was in college, so nineteen ninety. Yeah, so early nineties. Early nineties. Yeah. Probably when this song was recorded. Probably. Um. What was I going to say? <laughs> oh, what what club? would you compare it to like here in America oh my gosh. or in California um, or the West Coast? <laughs> well, in Seattle, I would compare it to um, Krim. Krim work. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was thinking when you said We're it's ahead. Really And there, was a, there used to be a club in San Francisco called Das Club. That same thing. It had these multiple levels and one level was kind of more punk. One level was more new wave. One level was more pop. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this song is literally club. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> um, so the fun fact about it is that it was recorded in the toilets. Yeah. At the milk bar. I could make a boat and sneak off to this it island. More. It seems like when you listen to the song, it sounds like she's... I. It, creates imagery in my head that she's like singing on stage and then at one point she just like I gotta go to the bathroom <laughs> she just walks <laughs> through the crowd and says yeah like I feel like going to the bathroom like I don't want to be on stage I want to be in a more private intimate space and so okay so the you tea. hear like the doors closing behind her and she's like suddenly in a quiet space and the music gets muffled and Okay, I think so that's the, really interesting. The T or what I... <laughs> I hate that phrase. Okay. Um, she talked about it at one point, or maybe not one of... Somebody involved in the album said that she took the... Um, what do you call it? Like the unfinished album? The demo? <clears throat> she took a, a demo of the whole album. Mm-hmm. Um, and Or maybe of a few songs and took it to the milk bar where she knew the DJ. Mm-hmm. And they were playing it over the, over the, like over the speakers over the airwaves. So this was um, late. It yeah. was like three in the morning or something. Yeah. Wow. And um, it was an instrumental version of it, and so she actually recorded this singing to the instrumental version that was playing. Oh. Uh, and then, yeah. Huh. So that's how it synced up. Like, cause I was, I was curious, was she carrying a boombox around? Yeah. With her? So it was actually playing over the, the loudspeaker. Oh, nice. Over the sound system. <clears throat> and she so decided she, to just record, cause she always carried her... Ghetto blast? No. Oh, her, her dictaphone? Dictaphone yeah. around, even at the clubs. Um, and so she recorded it live, which is really cool. So she didn't have like a <clears throat> band behind her or anything? Well, she when she recorded the vocals, it was just to the instrumental that was playing over oh, the sound speaker in the club. That's cool. And then later it was mixed. That's interesting. Yeah. And so I can just imagine like if you were there, or was it with a live audience or no? What do you mean? 
when she was singing? No, I think she was probably... I mean, I wasn't there when she recorded it, but my guess is that just be... she gave the tape to the DJ. Uh-huh. The DJ was playing it, and people were dancing to it. And she had her dictaphone and decided uh-huh. to go into the bathroom and actually record vocals on top of... Because the bathrooms had speakers in them. Oh, okay, yeah. So you could hear the music was going on. So, so it should be interesting to see, like, this woman, like, singing on stage and then just... No, no, she wasn't performing live. Oh. She was just there dancing. And she gave the, oh. the... She just gave the cassette to the DJ to play. Interesting. And then when it came on, she decided to record... When she's on our podcast, we're, another thing... We need to take... A, we need to have a list of things oh, that we're going to ask her about. so fun. <laughs> London <laughs> is very fun. Um... But, uh, sorry, back to our notes here. Uh, it's the only song other than Play Dead that did not make it to debut live. Because it was already live. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> that is true. All right. Facts. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, so, in talking about <clears throat> the lyrics, um, it just... She's talking about being bored at a party and stealing boats, and it's kind of as mis- one does mischievous. Yeah, it yeah that would be fun. And bringing up she the ghetto seems blaster. like she'd be fun to hang out with. And then uh, yeah, she's bringing out her ghetto blaster, and then you know just staying up till the early morning to get some bread from the bakery, getting that bread. <clears throat> Could bring my little ghetto blaster. There's more to life than this. But then we'd have to rush to the town's fast baker. I was surprised when I was the little bit of research that I did. A lot of people in in the comments talked about how they thought that the term ghetto blaster was so cool. It's very un-PC now. Yeah. But I grew up with, like, in sort of Latin it's from, culture. It get, reminds me of, like, breakdancing. Yeah. And ghetto... I think ghetto blaster was a derogatory term because, yeah. you know... But I right. think that, that it was owned by the culture. Yeah. And Bjork, coming from Iceland, it's kind of a bubble, so she probably wasn't aware of the P, non-PC nature of it or whatever. Thus the... the Bentu knots? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We forgot to talk about <laughs> the what she was looking like in. Um, oh, we did forget, totally forget the to Venus as a boy video where yeah. she not only she has, was appropriating right and left, <laughs> <laughs> even she, though like to her credit, the the concept of cultural appropriation did not really exist back yeah, then. Yeah, and I think it was very innocent. I think it was actually respect, like she was wanting to pay respect yeah, and like homage we to were these saying, cultures. Like the '90s was, or the early '90s was all about embracing different cultures. Yeah, so I think, and it was, I 100 percent believe that it was completely respectful mm-hmm. and trying to like no, pay homage it was and in no way mocking no. or anything like that. Oh, bindi dots. Yes, um, it's um, a Hindu tradition that dates back. To the third and fourth centuries, which I think is why she's, you know, yeah, it's like she's, a, a, I mean, she's it's, talked about being so 
interested in other cultures. It's fitting for the song as well. If you think about it, she's talking about a goddess, Venus, <clears throat> and I think in Hindu culture, they're very spiritual. Well, it actually indicates that you're married. Oh. So maybe it was aspirational. <laughs> Interesting. Um, <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Let's move on because we're getting into things that we don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like yeah, we so are going to get back to trouble. there's more to life than this. Yes. Uh, there's no video for it. Um, but let's talk about production. Yes. So, um, I mean, there's not much to say. It's just, a, again, another generic funky dance pop song. <laughs> just I, just I take, like I take, crying. I take umbrage with the um, word generic. I'm sorry. Because <clears throat> you have to think about the era. Like when it came out. Yeah, that's true. It was, um, I think it was a really interesting <clears throat> mix of all of the different things that were going on. Yeah. Like if you think about today, nobody blinks, nobody thinks twice about, you know, song, rap songs that have, you yeah. know, Japanese. We just saw today a video of a K-pop star with a, a, a Hispanic. L.A. artist. L.A. artist. Yeah. And it was merging sort of K-pop and, and Mexican um, kind of styles and music. Yeah. But back then, it was, that was that was new. That was, you know, considered yeah. um, <clears throat> like avant-garde. So you may call it generic. Sorry. But as someone who lived during that era, it actually felt like <clears throat> really new and refreshing and kind of cool. Right. You know. um, I, I think because it just... When I was like seven or eight, I was getting into <laughs> Spice Girls, and that's what, kind of what this song reminds me of—like a Spice Girls song that they could have easily sang over. Which I would have—I would have taken offense at that before I saw a Spice Girls documentary recently. Yeah, yeah. When I realized how they basically pushed back against all the producers who were saying, like, yeah. "Do this, do this," and they said, "No, this is how we want to sound." Yeah, which is you know very. Entry, anti yeah I respect that anti uh, and just being bullied patriarchy. around by men yeah I don't know and anti-patriarchal <clears throat> just said that okay I'm sorry um, but yeah no I, I yeah we're going off tangents but yeah um, and oh I has she performed this live um, oh you were gonna say something yeah I was just gonna forget? say like in the very first episode we did, I forgot to mention that uh, when she was branching out of the Sugar Cubes, she actually um, pushed for a remix album. That was one of the last things that they did. And it's called It's It. And the other members like jokingly called It's Shit. Um, because it's it's kind of it sounds like this type of dance music from different um, producers that were like dabbling in. So she had one foot, or one yeah, she was trying to like. I think she was trying to kind of like convert the sugar cubes to like doing like. Convert is strong. I think she was she was just saying, "Hey, this is what's going on in the world." Yeah, like why don't we like let's bring in outside it. influences yeah. instead of being stuck in our. You know, yeah. Rock rut or yeah. So. 
so let's talk about how this fits into the <laughs> album. Um, so, yeah, and when I think about it, there seems to be like a pattern with this album where she'll have one eclectic or chill song that's followed by a dance song that's not so unique in my mm-hmm. opinion but hmm. it's interesting just like how she I don't know if this was her choice or the producer's choice or both yeah. their choices where it's just like this dynamic of energy and yeah whatnot and style <clears throat> so that's all <clears throat> I think it's I, I think it was I don't know if it still is but I do think it was kind of when I think back of like when you, I've listened to albums front to back yeah um, the idea is that you're going to have different styles in the album. You're going to have some ballads. You're going to have some yeah. fancy songs. And the idea is if you lump them all together, then um, it's like like the album sounds more... Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you have some disparate. artists that like will do... like like will think of it as a record, A side and B side, and then they'll like have all the oh like fast like high energy high energy songs energy. on one side and then the, the slower ones yeah. on the other yeah so she could have done something like that but she chose to like mix it up what's your preference yeah i think i prefer i mean i guess because i'm so programmed and trained on listening to like work like hers and other artists where yeah. they just like mix it up and don't do like yeah one thing all the time so i feel like if you it's have like one a wave if you have one side that's slow and one side that's fast for better like a better way to put it mm-hmm. that it feels like two albums yeah but if you mix it up i mean think of any you know arc in a story yeah I it's mean, not like that's it's not like slow 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 and then all the excitement happens at the end you right. have this mix and it takes people on a journey <laughs> yeah and because life is like that you get up you have your coffee but then you you know that's like cross the street and almost get by a car and then you go have lunch and that's how life is you have your ups and downs <laughs> <laughs> it's a roller coaster it's true <laughs> it's like that so I could see why I could see the appeal it makes sense it makes sense yeah okay <laughs> Um, so the, okay, so the last thing I'll say is in researching this song, I was surprised how many people in Reddit and different message boards said that this is their, one of their favorite Bjork songs. Really? Because it's inspirational. It's basically saying like, you know, there's more to life than this. Hanging out at a party, like. Or that, like, however you want to interpret it. There's more than life than just working, or there's more than life than just partying. Yeah, like, like you can go off the beaten path and do something weird, random, or crazy. Yeah, life is more than just one thing. It's yeah. multifaceted. It's you know, it's you don't have to very, party just because it's nighttime, or and you don't have to because it's not party because you like work. Yeah, or or into your job. You can go outside and steal some boats and then get some <laughs> bread in the morning. I don't know. Just okay. Um, what else? I don't, there's not a lot of trivia on this album. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's only performed this on her first, she's performed this live on her first tour and that's it. It just seems like a filler song. 
the most unique thing about this, in my opinion, is how she recorded it inside of the bathroom. That's a pretty fun... I do think that story is really cool because it just shows how, like, there's obviously a record and, and making a record and making songs has to be methodical and planned. Yeah. But sometimes you just have to allow yourself to incorporate... You know, serendipity and just like fun. I feel like she's a fan of recording in the most in the moment in the weirdest places and like. Didn't she record in a bat in a cave of bats? Once? Yes, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. But I, I yeah, I don't think I've ever heard a song that was recorded in the bathroom. Why don't? And which is we interesting because you should record all your songs in the bathroom. People typically like to sing in the bathroom. That's well in the shower. <laughs> But yeah, in the shower, yeah. I've sang many songs in the bathroom growing up, but yeah. Um, All right, well, thank you for tuning in to <laughs> episode three um, of Sonic, Sonic Serial, where we take a deep dive into songs from some of our, some of our favorite <laughs> artists. artists. Um, uh, just as a reminder... We are currently on Bjork's debut. Yeah, Bjork's debut. And next we will be um, covering tracks five and six, which are like Someone in Love and Big Time Sensuality. That'll be fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to those. Me too. Both those songs. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you for tuning in. Say thanks to our. Thank you. And have a good time. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.